Sometimes, the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon, or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Rev. Jana Vende. And I'm Rev. Michael J. Day. We're priests of Arnery Octophane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts, but that's part of what makes it fun. So, sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. Hi, I'm Reverend Jana Vende, and I'm here at the Western Clergy Retreat with Reverend Lauren Mart, Reverend Sarah Blackwelder, and Reverend Melissa Ashton. And in a previous episode, we talked a little bit about what it's like priesting while female and the difficulties in having our voice heard and respected, um, and more about those aspects of women in leadership. We wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the dangers of being a woman in leadership, especially a woman priest, um, as well as some of the more interpersonal things we deal with as a one-on-one um, communication we have with folks. I will say, especially when I was in Florida by myself before I moved out here to Colorado, I was one of the only people that was out there actively meeting others and where we hold held rituals, I had to meet people first because it was in my home. And there was no way I was just gonna let strangers come waltzing into my house because I can't do that. I had I have a daughter. So it was always an interesting thing when setting up these times to meet with people and to actually have like face-to-face meetings always, always in a very public place because again, I don't know these people yeah. and I'm a woman. Yeah. You have to be so careful. I, I've had like definitely when you're meeting people, someone's like, I want to talk about this. Can you answer some of my questions about whatever in a face-to-face environment? And it's, yeah, we can set up a time to meet at a coffee shop or, you know, whatever. Somewhere that's very public that is on kind of neutral ground. You're going to get in your car and drive away and they're not going to be able to follow you mm-hmm. kind of thing. And if you get creeped out, stop and get gas on the way home even if you don't need it. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the little things that I think those of us who were raised as women know just from culture. There's certain things that you do to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when I'm doing things like I've been asked to do a house blessing, it can be very, very frightening. And most of the time I will either make sure that it is someone who I know or who one of my fellow priests in the area knows, or I will refer it out. Like I can't, I can't go into someone's home who I don't know um, or who people that I am close to know and can vouch for them. Right. I I, yeah. I can't go into their home by myself. <laughs> um, it, it just, you can't do it. That's not a safe thing to do. It's not. And I always tell everybody, like other people, exactly where I am. And if you haven't heard from me at this point, mm-hmm. you know, the standard safety protocols, which... It's crazy to even say <laughs> Which, that. again, is one of those things that if, if you've been raised female, you, you just, these are internalized things that you just deal with on an everyday basis. You ask yourself, are my pants too tight? Is my shirt too low cut? Um, oh my gosh, you know, I can't. How much makeup did I put on today? You know, I did the, the, the search for an appropriate white ritual outfit. 
that is not too low cut and not too high cut and, and not, not see through. too see through. And, <laughs> and, and, and has pockets. And has pockets. <laughs> and it, because because when you're leading a ritual, it is very important that you have pockets. And whether or not you wear your either real or decoy wedding ring, I mean that's yeah. a a, mm-hmm. a pretty or, real thing. For me, being newly divorced, navigating the community, all of a sudden, like like when I was I. There's a distinct difference in the way that my community treats me because now you're because available now again. I'm available again. <laughs> uh-huh. And and there are there are there have been men who have approached my grove specifically I think with the intention of seeing if they could date me. Wow. Or I will say one thing I really appreciate out here is that has not happened at all. Uh, to me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I I think it's for, like so so mine is similar. Um, you know, I, I'm obviously not single, but, um, when people find out you're poly, it's amazing the number of people who think that that means that you're just going to sleep with them and think it's okay then to hit on you and to say sexualized comments to you in like at, at church, like y'all we're at church. Can you not hit on me or, or tell me that my whatever looks whatever, like there's a line here and this is not the time or place. And. I'm not sleeping with the folk. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not. Right. That, that's, 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 a, that's a hard boundary. That is, that is a hard ethical boundary. You, yeah. You, yes. You are in your box over there. Yes. And so the <laughs> assumption that, that it's okay to ask me for whatever sort of relationship that will probably eventually end in sex is something that I just, I find that to be kind of appalling um, just because, because I don't want to be seen as though a sexualized being is all that I am. There's like I we just did a two-hour ritual. I wrote half the songs. We did this amazing working, and there was all this great stuff that happened. And what I'm hearing is that you're thinking about sex with me during this time. <laughs> and then I hate the reactions to that, where you you point out that why are you reacting to me this way? Why are you pushing my boundaries this way? And all of a sudden, it turns into the friend zone thing, um, where 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 they're upset because. Yeah. They can't put in enough coins to get sex out of the me machine. Like, <laughs> I'm not a machine. Please don't try to insert things. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. Did you hear anything? Just, it's, it's maddening. Like, I, there, we have so much more to offer, and I really want the work that we do to be heard and seen without with without being listened to because someone wants a sexual favor. Yeah, and I I had. A weird experience recently where I was interacting with someone who the approach initially was they were having some experiences like spiritual experiences that they needed someone to talk to about and I am more than happy to do that of course um, and then it gets more and more into making sexualized comments within that and then sending me essentially porn and I'm like that's not I don't, this, that's not what I'm here for. I don't need to, I'm not a sex counselor. <laughs> like, right. I, I, this is not what I signed up for. Right. Um, and, and having that be like a, that slow progression, and then all of a sudden me being like, whoa, back up. <laughs> like, this is mm-hmm. not okay. Yeah. Um, and then the, the difficulty with having that no being listened to mm-hmm. and not being, not being gaslit into, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not... Well, if you really can't understand me, then maybe you're not the priest I thought you were. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like like the trying to get you to continue the conversation because clearly the problem is me and not the fact that someone just sent me porn. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's maddening. I feel very fortunate because in Florida too, I did not have those sorts of problems with the people I was serving there. Like that's I really awesome. feel fortunate and it may just be part of my scary nature or something. I don't know. But I, I You're intimidating, Sarah. I, well, I have been <laughs> accused of that pretty much all of my life. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's my whole Vikingness or something. Yeah, you read and you're thinking and you have opinions. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I feel really fortunate in that it, within my groves, in the few, in the, there hasn't been that dynamic for me. Yeah. A lot of times I wonder about the fact that. Um, and, and I don't know if, Missy, if you experience this working with William, like as a priest pair, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times in working with Michael as a priest pair, like there's some things that, that he's more likely to get and to, to have on his plate of things that he's working with on, with people mm-hmm. and certain things that I'm more likely to get. But a lot of times I'm like, how come you don't get all the weirdos like <laughs> who are into you in a, in a inappropriate way? manner like that it just isn't a thing that happens or even if it is it's much easier for him as a man to say to to like put the to no thank you to no thank you that um well because it's easier for men to say no thank you it makes me so angry (laughs) versus like women who have to be super nice about it otherwise they could go crazy and like hurt you or kill you yeah one of the things i've been working on is i actually haven't had a lot of problems getting specifically weird stuff um people don't come to me hardly at all like most of the work i do it's because william is a fantastic ally and he gets requests for things that he knows are more my skill set than his and he will actually refer them out to me um and part of that is i'm new to colorado and i'm still building my own um, trust with the folk out here um you know but he's just always the go-to like people come to me if they're if they're sad and want to have like an emotional thing um, but people who want practical help, they typically tend to always go to William. Even though William, he doesn't have a strong, you know, like like forward-facing, interactive, magical practice. Um, he's very, very pastoral in the way that he, he interacts with things. And I have a lot more um, woo in my path, my woo, Ron mm-hmm. Steve. Um, you know, so even though even though that's pretty known, they still will, will go to him first, and then he'll refer them to me like, that's really my wife's area and send them over. So just trying to, to build a client base has been really frustrating. Yeah, I absolutely deal with that too. Michael is the people that is the person that people will go to first. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's unless it is something that is like super womanly, you know. Right. Someone needs to, to have their emotions and their feelings heard. <laughs> or or they need a mothering or a baby blessing mm-hmm. or have had a miscarriage. Like those things. People come to me for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, almost everything else. People will always go to Michael first, and I mean, he's been a priest a decade longer than me, so has the, 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 the know of the folk, you know. Right, and that's that's one of the things that's hard is trying to figure out how much of that is, how much of that is me fighting against the overculture, and how much of that is me building my own, um, yeah, my mm-hmm. my own reputation in the community, and it's difficult to figure out. What, what what I can do to fix that because how much of that is something I have control over right and that yeah. that's one of the challenges that I'm currently working through is how how much of my reputation 
and my ability to be seen as a resource in a community do I have control over? And it's maddening. I, that's my word of the day, apparently. It's, it's very frustrating when you're trying to do good works and to be seen for the work that you're doing and to have all of your work shattered because someone keeps bringing up how you're probably sleeping with people. Yeah. Or how you're you're an intimidating person. Or you're a mom, so you don't have time for anything. That's another big one. Yeah. Is even even men who are parents mm-hmm. don't have the oh you have kids, you surely don't have time to do this. Um it, it's the same thing when 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 a man stays home with his child, the the woman can go out that he's babysitting he's the kids. Like, your parents. no, you're parenting your kids. Like, that's that's what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that makes it really hard to build that, that client base is, is the fact that you can't go out and meet someone at their home to do specific work for them. Like, that's, that's not a thing that is generally going to be safe for you to mm-hmm. just assume that you can do. Right. Yeah. I have found though that it's been really nice working with other moms in the community because there's there's definitely a, a huge need for pagan moms to feel like they're part of the community because so often they end up having to stay at home when yep. one of their children has a need that need, they need to fill. Right. Um, they end up not being able to go to late night things because kids have bedtimes. Uh, and it's more common for the men to attend things and for the woman to stay at home with the children just, just because of the nature of being a mom that's just a lot of us that's 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 what we that do. is the reality yeah. yes and that's what we do and it's not because our husbands won't let us quote unquote it's because sometimes you know your kid it doesn't doesn't feel well you want to stay with them yeah you know and and so so reaching out to other moms especially moms with little kids yeah um to make sure that they feel like they're part of the community has been something that i'm i'm trying to work on and just just fold into our practice and what we do. Yeah, I know in our grove we've been trying to because we have a ridiculous amount of kids. We probably have the same amount of kids as we have paid members of our <laughs> awesome. grove. Like it's awesome. ridiculous. Um, but we've been trying to consciously make decisions. Like we moved our high days to the afternoon yeah. instead of the evening, so that people with kids can attend. It it starts af- generally right after afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. So kids with little people with little kids can have the afternoon nap and then show up in time for the ritual mm-hmm. and then be home by bedtime. Well, when I was running the Grove in Florida, that's how I scheduled everything. Revolved everything around my daughter because mm-hmm. I was like, no, if I this is my reality. I'm gonna do this, but you know, I have my daughter, so I have to take care of that too. And, right. You know, because that's very important to me as well. And that doesn't make you less than as a priest. Right. It does not. It does not. In a lot of ways, it gives you a very um, useful skill set. Yeah. It's made me a better priest. I'm yeah, much better at I would absolutely say. Having juggled a child. I would absolutely <laughs> say that I'm a better priest because I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. without question. Yeah. I mean, I'm a better ritualist because of doing rituals with Daphne attached to me. <laughs> like, I would wear her. Like, I'd put her in her little backpack or in a little thing, and I'd wear her through the whole thing. Because that was the most effective and efficient way to do the thing. Yeah, I'm too old for baby wearing. That wasn't a thing until my kids were older. Yeah, yeah. But it was great. And it made me better at being able to divide my brain between multiple tasks and, like, really keeping it all together still at the same time, which is... Right. And we need to get to a place 
in our society as well as in, in the pagan community where that is seen as a strength yeah. and not seen as a weakness. Or a distraction. Or a right. distraction. Right. You know, because and it, it, it carries over into folks, you know, who might not have kids but who have members of their grove who have some sort of disability or who or other members who have children who who are like my my kid had special needs. Um, you know, I'm bringing Timmy to ritual was sometimes frustrating for some folks because he was very vocal. He had echolalia, so he wasn't quiet. <laughs> you know, but if they wanted me at ritual, then they were going to have to have the kids there. And I wanted me at ritual, and I thought that should be good enough reason to go. You know, but being mindful of the fact that not everybody is a person who is able to completely and fully focus on exactly what's in front of them. There's, there are some people who are divided and that needs to be something that, that's acceptable and okay. Yeah. And necessarily so. Yeah, so I, there's just, there's a lot of challenges that come with, come with priesting while female, <laughs> being a woman in leadership. There's a lot of things that um, I think the other members of our community who are not female don't necessarily realize are such huge things that we have to deal with it's such a struggle all the time right. constant struggle and i think that's the, that's the point is that it's not that some of the male identifying folks have never experienced any of these things it's constant but that those are one-time experiences yes. for them yeah so and i'm hoping that in listening to this that some of those folks who have some one-time experiences that were memorable because this one time this thing happened that they can appreciate then how we are that one thing that happened to them is something that we do all the time and that maybe that will help to have more and more people help create space for us to be able to step in and have our voices heard yeah and i hope that that other female identifying folks um get a sense of it's not you this you are not alone mm -hmm. it is it is yeah. not you who is who is causing you these problems it's this is an overarching issue with being a woman in leadership. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about Druidry at ADF.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.